Hello folks, I'm Scott Turner of Silo Outdoors, and welcome back to a Fish Story Podcast. Now this episode, uh, I thought I would take it all the way back. I'm going to reel it all the way back to the very beginning when I was a little kid, and uh, the people and the things that inspired me the most, the reasons why I'm so passionate about the outdoors now, and I thought I'd share with you folks. And uh, the the biggest players in it were always in my mom and dad, but the biggest inspirations and probably the ones that I learned the most from are my great grandparents, Irene and Glenn Hall. And, uh, they grew up in a tough time. You know, they, they were born in the early 1900s and they lived through the great depression, really tough times. And, uh, they both came out of it with a good sense of humor and a, a lot of good stories. And I used to love hearing them all. And, uh, there's a lot of life lessons in those stories that got passed on to me. But uh, when I was very young, I spent almost my entire summers with my great-grandparents. And uh, the place that I, I spent this time was uh, up at Magic Reservoir. Now, my great-grandfather, uh, Glenn Hall, he bought some property up at Magic Reservoir right on the waterfront. And built a cabin up there. And I'm here to tell you, it was a cabin. And it was homemade. It was, uh, I believe, one of the first three cabins that were made at West Magic. And now that now there's like there's a colony up there. Now there's, there's a whole town. But uh, back then, it was just all sagebrush. They had to clear it out themselves. And that in itself was tough work. But uh, he built this cabin with his own two hands with the help of Grandma and anybody else that would help out. And, uh, I mean, he, he just made anything he could find. The, the guy had a great ingenuity and, uh, but the roof was made out of corrugated metal <laughs> instead of drywall. He had this kind of, uh, it was kind of cardboard that he just painted on the inside. And then he had some wood slats that he put in the, in the ceilings and it was a cabin. And, it wasn't a very tall cabin. I'm here to tell you because I grew out of it, literally. <laughs> um, you know, you go up to Magic Reservoir and you drive up the little the driveway that they had one of those uh, uh, mailboxes. It was air mail because there wasn't really there. There was nobody who was bringing mail up there, so it was about 20 feet off the ground. And you know, people drive the come up the driveway and give you looks just at that alone. But in fact, we, we had driving a show shown from Andrew Reservoir just to get our mail up there at a PO box. But, uh, it was the best thing that could have ever happened in my childhood. You know, I, I'll, I'll say it a million times. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I wish every kid could, could experience what I did. And, uh, one of the, that was one of the coolest things. Like the first time that I ever stayed up there. So now this is a story that my mom loves to tell. It was giving me a hard time about. Um, when I was a kid, I had to be like five years old. Um, my parents decided to make a trip to the Oregon coast to go salmon fishing. My dad loved to go over there and go up charters out of Garibaldi and catch a king salmon over there. But uh, my mom was real reluctant to leave me. So she took me up to Magic Reservoir and uh, was going to leave me with my grandparents. 
and full thinking that when she went to leave, that I was just going to be heartbroken. That I was going to be like, oh no, mom, take me with you. Well, when it come time to leave, I was just standing there in the driveway holding grandma and grandpa's hand. And uh, as she's driving away, just kind of lingering, waiting, thinking I'm gonna, she's going to get a big old hug. I just wave bye. See you later. Have fun. <laughs> well, apparently she she bawled for about the first half hour down the dirt road, leaving Magic Reservoir, and and that was it for me. Every chance I got, I spent it with my grandparents up there, and and once I got old enough that I could stay with them, and my parents didn't have to worry about me too much. Um, I'd spent the whole summer up there, and I would go up there, and uh, they would pick me up the day I would get out of grade school. And they would drive me up there like the same day. And I'd stay until a week before school started, you know, in, in the fall. And I spent almost every single one of those days fishing. Now, my regiment, mornings up in Magic Reservoir, you know, the, just the name it just carries, I mean, it's, in, it's in the name, Magic, Magic Reservoir. You know, the... The mornings were just amazing up there because the cabin faced uh, straight east. And so every morning the sun would come creeping over the hill and uh, just light up that living room in the cabin. And it was a small little cabin. There was only three rooms in it. You walk in the front door, open up screen door, and there was a glass door. And uh, to the right was a bed. Well, it was a couch that folded down into a bed, and that's where I slept. And then right next to that, straight adjacent to the left was the kitchen table. And then we had a little TV up on the wall. They got one channel. I, be I believe it was channel 11. You know, we'd watch a little bit of news and uh, grandma had to get in her Johnny Carson. So, you know, we had old black and white TV up there. And then if you walk straight through there, there was a kitchen there. Now that's where the magic was made. Really? That's where grandma made all the cookies and cakes and pies and, and uh, bread, and uh, she'd have to swap me away because I'd come in there and I'd I'd uh, I'd invade and take all the cookies. I'd I'd eat all the dough if I could. I didn't want her to cook it, <laughs> but uh, that's where she made the magic. And and once I got a little bit older, there's a little bit of a step up as you walked up into there. And uh, I'm six four now. When I hit about six one, I started bonking my head on uh, this <laughs> the doorway in there. The door jam coming through and then uh right in the middle if you split it there was the the west wing i suppose you'd call it but it, it was grandma grandpa's uh bedroom in there and you'd walk in there and grandma's sewing machines on the left hand side and there's some old pictures old fishing pictures on the walls and some old lures hanging up but the coolest thing about this old cabin that my grandpa built with his own two hands was uh there was this one wall and it was famous up there. So when they first built it, my grandma would walk down on the, down on the beach and, uh, of a morning most of the time. And she loved picking up driftwood. But the other thing she'd pick up is if she's found any lures, you know, any, uh, reels, anything like that. When the water would, would regress and start draining out the reservoir, she would, she'd put this netting up on the wall. And they would hang all these lures and everything they found down there. And there were some old, old lures in there, flies and Rapalas. And in fact, I probably owe a couple of Rapalas because I used a couple and 
and and lost them promptly but uh it was so cool we, we would get random people that would come over wouldn't even know us and they're like hey i just i just want to see that wall and they come in and check out the wall and and it's pretty neat it's still there it is one thing that will never change about that 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 cabin it's sad to say that now that you know it probably needs to be knocked down and put a a new cabin in there because it's 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 pretty darn old. My grandpa, I believe, he built it clear back in the fifties with uh, that corrugated metal and cardboard walls, but it's still standing. But uh, anyways, uh, the mornings would start. My regiment when I wake up in the morning, uh, one of my grandfather's dear friends, Old Glenn Croft, he would come in every morning have coffee with my grandpa. And they had BS about everything. And uh, he would come in and he would sit on the corner of my bed and he'd always make it in there before I get out of bed. And I guarantee he, he had to have known it. He's always messed with me because I was too embarrassed because I'd sleep in my, my tidy whities and I wouldn't get out of bed until he'd leave or he'd go outside. And uh, the second the, the old Glenn Croft would leave, I would fly out of that bed and I'd put my britches on and grab my fish pole a uh, can of worms and uh, one of my grandpa's lucky buckets. Now these, he didn't make the buckets, but he made the lids to buckets. He had these little hinged lids that he made out of wood. And then he had screwed down a, a horseshoe on each one of them that he made. And of course, got to have good luck when you're going fishing. Big believer in that. And so was my grandpa. And uh, I grabbed my, my bucket, can of worms, pole, and beat feet down to the docks and I would fish all day long. And in fact, most of the time I would forget to bring my lunch. So my grandma typically would bring me down lunch every day. Cause she just thought I was starving to death down there. She'd come down with a couple of Cokes and sandwich and a couple of Twinkies. And uh, she just thought I was starving. I was so skinny that I, I put a, a rail to shame. My metabolism was, out of this world and uh, she saw starving down there well little did she know that i'd made friends with a lot of the the old ladies that were down there and they're bringing me down cakes and cookies and candies and all kinds of stuff but i wasn't going to tell her that she didn't find out till years later because i don't want her to not bring me down goodies but uh, i did not starve down there but i would go down i would sit on the boat docks all day long there uh, west side magic and uh, i raised cane and put a serious dent in the yellow perch uh, population down there. And we caught a lot of nice trout too. Uh, there were some big trout in there. Uh, and you know, this is back before uh, they supplemented with these hybrid trout. Every once in a while you'd hear somebody catching a seven, eight, nine pounder. My, my grandpa had said the biggest one he ever heard of was a 13 pounder that was caught out of there. You know, that, that, that might've been a fish story in itself, but uh, you know, there were big rainbows in there. There were, uh, there were some, we call them German browns or brown trout in there and then perch. And that was it. Every once in a while, you catch an old sucker fish in there. And then there were some shiner minnows in there that, that we often caught and used for bait. And in fact, my grandpa had engineered this old net to catch him with. He had taken a, some thin rebar and cut it. So there was, it was square. There's four sides. It was about four foot by four foot. And he had welded these corners together and put hooks on it. And then he tied, 
it had to be a weed eater line to uh to each corner to this pole and then you dip it down in the water and then just yank that thing up as fast as you could and hope the hope the minnows didn't come out and it worked really really good like it, it's the best dip net I've, I've ever used for catching bait and uh i i made plenty of money down there on those docks catching those little those little shatter minnows because i'd sell them for like 50 50 cents a dozen and by the, end of the summer i'd have a big old roll of one dollar bills just from just from that and they were excellent bait you know you catch uh some real big trout down there you'd throw one of those out on the bottom they had to be dead but we would we'd keep them alive we my grandpa had this uh this old minnow minnow bucket that floated on top of the water it was metal and he put them in there and had holes in the side so they'd stay alive and because you, you didn't really want to freeze them or if they're dead too long and it worked very good but you kill them fresh and throw them out there and them on the bottom and you catch big trout and sometimes you catch big perch there were times i'd fill a five gallon bucket full of one pound perch out of magic reservoir that place is like well renowned for yellow perch back then this was this is uh had to be a mid 80s and uh you know it's i i believe it's very comparable to the perch fishing that's in cascade reservoir there were some big ones in there and um but it was excellent fishing now there's actually uh some smallmouth in there they never used to be in there but uh a bucket biologist decided that magic needed it and uh apparently there's some good smallmouth fishing there these days as well but if i wasn't fishing on the dock i was fishing with grandpa and he he had bought this old uh 16 foot aluminum gregor boat back in uh 75 and if grandpa was going out on the boat i was going out on the boat and uh i had my spot in the boat too and it wasn't one of the seats it was this little metal box right to his left right right back by the motor he had a hit an old 20 20 horse mercury and a little six horse evan root in there and that's what we trolled with and i sat right beside grandpa the whole time we're out there well this little metal box i sat on wasn't a seat it was actually um it encased this old cobra radio and uh that's how uh we communicated up there you know we didn't have cell phones or telephones anything like that um that was that was just the way that everybody communicated up there and uh so we had one out on the boat and then we had one back at the back at the cabin that grandma could use to get a hold of us and and everybody had their own name out there everybody uh <laughs> had their their call sign their and uh grandpa's was very unique and very earned grandpa's handle was short thumb and the way he got that name was uh back before he retired he was working for army corps engineers and they were working on arrow rock dam it's on the middle fork of the boise river just north of boise and the story goes that he was on some scaffolding and some glass broke up above him and he put his hand up to cover his, his head and his face and one of the shards of glass cut his thumb off well by the time he got to the doctors they couldn't save it back then and they just uh whittled that thing down so he just had a little nub there well he had a lot of fun with that that short thumb over the years not only did he his handle off it but he was definitely one to pull your leg every single chance he got and in fact one of my my grandma's favorite stories was she used to babysit kids in the winter time 
and often she'd get kids that would come in that would suck their thumbs. Well, my grandpa, well, I guarantee he waited until grandma wasn't, wasn't around or paying attention. He'd be like, hey, you know, I lost his thumb, don't you? They're like, no, no, how'd you lose it? He's like, well, my same age as you, I was sucking my thumb just like that, and it come off. They're like, no way. Well, as you can imagine, there was many a small kid that quit sucking their thumb right then and there. Yours truly being one of them. <laughs> that old man, oh gosh. So, I'm not even sure if that that story is even true. But uh, it, it, it seems like a pretty good one, along with all the rest of me told. But uh, that was his handle. And mine was Little Bear. And I'm fairly certain that they probably got Little Bear from an old Red Sovine tune. And uh, I don't recall what Grandma's was. It might have just been Grandma. or It's probably, it probably Mama Bear or something like that. But anyways, uh, we'd be out there trolling. It doesn't matter if we got our limit or not. If we'd hear it come across the, the CB, breaker, breaker, short thumb, got your ears on, it's lunchtime, it was time to go in. And uh, it was a lot of fun because we'd get on those radios and we'd listen to all the other boats out there because that's that's how they communicated as well. And we'd try and figure out what they're using for bait and where the fish are biting. And, you know, it was just a different time back then. It was it was pretty cool. But uh, we'd come in and and uh have lunch and almost always like we'd eat lunch and I'd, I'd run back right back down to the docks and uh it, it was so bad in fact that <laughs> if the fishing was good in the evening my grandma literally would have to come down and take my fish pole away from me that's how much i loved it down there and uh you know i, I got a couple of jobs throughout the years up there uh old glenn croft one day he comes to me and he's like i got a job for you you're gonna like it well, he apparently had a big trouble with uh, rock chucks up there. So he had these huge alfalfa fields that uh, he owned up there. And there was a railroad track, an old railroad, a band railroad track going through it. And there was a lot of rocks from the from the railroad from when they built it. And these big rock piles, there was tons of rock chucks. And they would come out in his alfalfa field and just eat the heck out of his alfalfa. And I mean, it was just mowed down to dirt where they had these uh, little colonies of them. And so he comes to me one day and he had this old nylon 22. It was a uh, semi-automatic. You load it from the butt, you pulled this, this rod out and you could fit 13 rounds in it. And it was a straight shooter. And he told me, he goes, I take his gun out there and all the bullets you can shoot. And for every rock chuck tail, and this, this was the catch. I had to cut their tails off to get the money. He's like, I'll give you a dollar every one of them so i was like heck yeah well th that was the trick too because i'd have to wait till those rock chucks had come out in an alfalfa typically and try and shoot them in the head to secure them so they wouldn't go back down the hole because if you just shot them peeking out the hole they crawl back down the hole and i lose my dollar well at the end of the summer he comes to me he's like well how many you got i reach back behind the <laughs> the couch and i pull out this gallon jar and i had 135 tails in there and you should have seen his eyes lit up like baseballs he's like holy cow i don't know you get that many i'm like well isn't that what you wanted you know and uh he he was gonna pay me in money but once he saw that he just gave me the 22 and some shells and we called her square and i, I think it was a pretty good deal but uh that was that was the first one of my jobs i 
I had up there from old Glenn Croft. The next one was from my uh, grandfather's dear friend Slick. And I don't even know what Slick's real name was. That was just, you know, well, that was his handle up there was Slick. And uh, he, he was just a jolly old fellow. I, it's been a long time since old Slick passed away, but he, he was one of my grand grandfather's dearest friends. And uh, he had a, an old fifth wheel that he parked down on a lot that he'd bought down there just down a road from my grandparents and it was right on the riverfront well, one day i come walking by there coming back from the docks and old slick stops me he's like he's like hey he's like i want you to catch me some perch i'm like what he's like i tell you what he's like if you catch me perch all summer i'll give you something real cool i'm like well i don't think grandpa's gonna like that very much because grandpa didn't like putting back any fish in fact if a fish was legal to keep it was likely that was the last time that fish would ever see the water again because he didn't turn nothing loose. He's like, Oh, it'll be our secret. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The first thing he did is went down and told, told grandpa on, they, they pulled my leg a few times and jerked my chain on that story as well. But, uh, so I caught perch from all summer long. I was basically splitting what I was catching with him and grandpa. And, uh, and in the summer he's like, all right, I got something for you. Well, I walk over to his fifth wheel and he, he goes back in this, uh, um, this little compartment and he pulls out fishing pole. I'm like, eh, it's a fishing pole. And you're like, I already got a fishing pole. That's kind of cool, but I wasn't going to say anything about it. Cause I did it more for fun. I mean, it's fishing. And then he pulls out this, this, uh, this little gun case. Well, out of this gun case, he pulls this old bull barreled 22. It was a single shot, uh, bolt action with peep sights on it and the thing had to weigh like 10 pounds and i was like 11 years old i i could barely even hold the darn thing up but i'm like oh this thing's cool you know and uh come to find out old slick was a a scout leader and way back in the day he uh had the scout troop and ordered these guns and he kept them after he quit being scout leader and he gave me one and I still have it. I probably only ever even ran 10 rounds through the darn thing the whole time. But uh, I looked up the serial numbers and I believe there's only like a hundred of them that were even uh, recorded. So it's just a really, it's a really cool keepsake that I'll probably, I'll never shoot, never sell. Just remind me old Slick. But uh, there are some characters up there and those were a couple of biggest ones up there. And, uh, you know, my grandparents, they'd stay up there all summer long. They would, they would show up magic in May and then they would come back in October. Um, you know, if they would draw deer tags up to the state through the deer season, which was typically middle of October. And then they come back and spend the winters in, uh, Boise. But, uh, I, I, I just really love it. And I, I truly wish that like every kid could, could experience something like that. I learned so many life lessons up there. You know, I, I feel like I'm a little old school just because, you know, my grandparents were such a big inspiration for me. And, uh, you know, I, I miss that old man. He he was a good guy. And uh, I'll see him again one day up in the, the big, uh, you know, fishing hole in the sky. But I hope you folks really enjoyed the podcast. And uh, I'll be tuning in for another fish story. Thanks for listening, folks.